Good evening, everybody, and welcome to Leave Radio, 100, episode 152. The show that talks about the Universe Elite and the fantastic community that surrounds it. I'm your host, uh, Chief Archivist of Lave Station, Colin Phoenix Defire Ford. And joining us in a very packed Orient Sidewinder for this episode is we have Chief Bar Stewart himself, Grant Psycho Cal Wilcott. Hello. We have the head of entertainment, Commander Thane himself, Chris Jarvis. Hello. We have the head of health and safety, making sure the fire extinguishers work. That's Ben Moss Woodward, Commander Adley Weiss. But I'm not himself, apparently. Oh, never mind. And joining us, uh, taking a deep breath, as we have a special ambassador, Commander Paraxum. Uh, Hello. Visiting. Hello. From, welcome from uh, the other side of the pond. I do believe it's quite early in the morning over there. Uh, it's actually about th- almost three o'clock in the afternoon for me now. All right. That's early. It's not <laughs> early. So if you wish to join us live, we're hanging out in game. Now, at the moment, we are arranging a convoy. We're arranging a starting point of Lave Station. And... Uh, Ben, do you want to take on what the plan is going to be for the rest of the night? Okie dokie. So, what we'll be doing this evening, we're just going to take a quick trip up to go and see Waranus in the Lave system, because that's relatively recently gone off and turned itself into a asteroid station instead of a little... instead of a uh, outpost. Yes. So, we're going to go and have a quick have a quick look there. And then from there, probably not a massive surprise to everybody, we thought we'd go and have a look at the generation ship, which is only about 150 light years from Lave. So the plan of action, such as it is, is that we're going to go off to uh, Waranus, hang out there for a couple of minutes, go, ooh, it's a rock, and then we'll make our way to Alanus and just wait at the sun there till around about, I don't know, about quarter past nine, just after then. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we'll fly up to Alanus 10, and from there we'll go off and make our beeline towards the, um, oh, Moray or whatever the hell it's called that we fly off towards when we're looking to go and find this generation ship. Right. But we'll do that all in, we'll do it all in open, so good luck to everybody. <laughs> oh, we're, we're, we're painting targets on our back anyway. So, yeah. um, if you can't get to us in game, there's also uh, laveradio.com slash live, and also broadcasting out on Twitch at twitch.tv slash laveradio. Can I just... Uh, so, hello to everybody in the Twitch channel. Yeah, just jump in, because we made this, we've made some changes on the live page on the Live Radio website. So, if you're experiencing a little bit of echo or two feeds coming in, if you look along the page, you've got schedule, live broadcasts, live video, live chat, alternating, alternative listening clients, it's easy for me to say, and contributed to the artists. If you click on the live video, if you're getting two feeds, you'll probably find you've got the radio feed coming through and the Twitch feed running just click on the live video tab there and then click on the stop or pause or you can pick whichever feed you prefer to listen to um, and you can watch it. Just trying to get everything into that one page to make it nice and easy for people to choose what they want to do. Okay, well, as at the moment I am stuck on Town, which is the new, um, which we'll, we'll probably touch on 
uh, at a later point. I just tried, I just tried landing a T9 on a 4G planet, and I have 12% of my hull left. So as I wait on on the repairs to happen to my ship and for my Asp Explorer to arrive, we'll go on round the rest of the team and see what they've been up to this week. So we'll start with ooh, Ben. I've actually I've had an awesome couple of weeks actually because I was off last week. But the reason I was off last week is because I was at the Insomnia Gaming Festival with my son, where I met up with Barry and a few other folks from Special Effect, as well as I randomly just bumped into a couple of commanders um, whilst I was there, and they were taking their kids around the place, and I was taking my kids, and that was all good fun. Um, it was actually I really enjoyed Insomnia this year. I went I went to it last year and it was just it was a lot of streaming and things like that with things that I didn't really care about, but this year it felt much more of a celebration of gaming. Which, you know, I really quite appreciated and there's a lot of good stuff there. It was just a lot of fun. Um and I also got myself an absolutely awesome Stormtrooper uh, mouse mat. Just because, you know, Stormtrooper mouse mats are cool. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, Pity you can't hear nothing. Anyway, where are, are you? Are you here yet, Colin? No, oh, no, you're. Uh, that's a shame. <laughs> <laughs> right, um, Mr. Jarvis. What has been your highlights of the week? <laughs> Do you know? I can't remember what happened in the week. Does anyone know? Does anyone know what I did at the weekend? <laughs> I have absolutely no idea. Um, yeah. Uh, oh, we did. Um, <laughs> Surprised I forgot about this. Um, so John Stabler and myself recorded an episode of Remote Outpost Games last week, uh, which is now up on the Lave Radio site and it's available in the Lave Radio RSS feed. Uh, and basically we did, uh, some people may or may not remember that about a year ago, we did a pilot for a show called Remote Outpost Games, which, not to put too fine a point on it, is basically Desert Island Discs with games. Mm-hmm. Um so and when we did the pilot, it was just John interviewing me. So it was all quite, it was all quite internal and very test bedy. Um, but what? So what we've done is we've 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 gained some uh, some keen and we've gained some people, uh, and we're hopefully going to be pressing ahead with that series. It's not going to be weekly or fortnightly or anything like that. We are going to be releasing them, hopefully a bit more regularly. Uh, I know lots of people spoke to certainly me at. Um, Elite Meet and LaveCon and saying, I really enjoyed that Remote Outpost Games show. You should do another one of those. So for this episode, uh, which is episode two, we are interviewing a guy called James Buckle, who is a solo indie developer, and he has just released a game on Steam called Captain Kaon, which is basically a, a pixel art thrust clone, very much uh, in the the kind of Amiga 16-bit style. It's really good. If you ever played any old Amiga uh, thrust games is well worth it or if you listen to remote outpost games there is an opportunity to win one of three steam keys for captain kaon very generously provided by uh, james buckle um, the other thing that makes the interview particularly interesting is that james worked for 12 years in the qa team for uh, creative assembly on the total war series so we got lots of really interesting insights into total war and uh, time commanders on bbc uh, and things like that. So yeah, it's a really worthwhile show to listen to. Um, go and go and have a listen. Hopefully, you'll yeah. enjoy it. Yeah, it was nice to hear John on, on the on the podcast again for doing that. Uh, I must admit, there was a little bit of a revelation there with time. Uh, that time was it. Time team. Time commanders is the uh, time the commanders. TV that's show it. Yeah. They, 
they basically play Total War. Yes, because yeah. I, I, I thought it was something, and then you explain, Then everybody explained it wasn't what I thought it was. Yeah, yeah, curtain. absolutely. No spoilers, uh, no spoilers. No spoilers. It was very interesting. It was very, so, interesting. Yeah. very there was another. Yeah, there was another really interesting story we had to cut, unfortunately. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> we, took, we took an editorial decision. I'll tell you about it offline. We took an editorial decision that... We maybe didn't you want can't to go and tease things like that, Chris. <laughs> Too late. Too late. Everyone, a little late now. Yeah, but the stories, the stories that are on there. The now. Yeah, the stories that are on there are great. And uh, yeah, he chose some. He chose some really interesting games. Um, we got a bit of an insight into his development process for his uh, his own personal game, um, and also talked a bit about his because he's got a game of Sutra blog, which is really good as mm. well. So uh, yeah, do, do do check out that episode. He's he's not someone that you will necessarily have heard of. But I think he's well worth listening to his interview. He's an interesting guy. And hopefully we're going to have some more people uh, coming through as well over the coming weeks and months. Excellent. Excellent. Grant, what have you been up to this week? Well, um, if you can just see uh, from the stream, I'm currently uh, out here uh, looking at a uh, very strange ship. Um, very bizarre. Not quite sure what to make of it. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's big. It's not moving very fast, and uh, comms are a bit ropey out here, as you can tell. Uh, there's some messages here as well. I'm just going to check the answer machine and message later on in the show, but, um, yeah, this this thing is weird. Um, hold on a second, I'll just go to the secure line. <coughs> right, it's better. Okay, so part up. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. Oh, very nice. It's been, a, it's been an interesting sort of week. Um, again... Oh, crikey, what have we been up to? It just seems to be, oh, yeah, I can't say. It's all hush-hush, top-secret, real-life business stuff, which is good. Um, exciting progressions in the gorgeous world and, and having to work hard on it. I got a, a, t- a phone call this morning from uh, Dave uh, Pearson, who was down doing his usual ticketing uh, jobs at various exhibitions, and uh, lo and behold, Santoro were down there with a huge, gorgeous stand. So he's gone over and had a chat with them, and they've asked him to phone and yeah. say hello and things. But yeah, you know, things are going really well there. There's some nice new progressions, and we always get samples of things that are coming out soon and stuff, and it's all really, really exciting. But yeah, some big changes coming ahead, hopefully. Fingers crossed, all going oh. well. Hopefully, that'll be more stuff for my daughter's collection. Their room is now covered in gorgeous stuff. Seems as every month, every week, there's something new that I just didn't see before. <laughs> I don't know whether. Do, do, do they reproduce by themselves, Grant? Because I am getting worried. <laughs> it does seem to be that way sometimes. And I know that there is um, dolls. Now, yes. the, the original dolls were around about 80 to £100 pounds each, and they were made out of uh, the bones of. No, they weren't. They were, <laughs> they were just <laughs> handmade, and each hair on the heads was hand stitched and things. And you could just, it just screamed uh, exuberance, and uh, ha- you know, well, somebody with very sore fingers. Um, and they were beautifully made, and they've brought out sort of lower range dolls without that kind of degree of work in them. And again, they're mm-hmm. equally stunning. So, um, yeah, maybe you'll be yes. chinned for one of those ones. <laughs> I think I've already been chinned enough <laughs> for these ones, to be honest. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, welcome, uh, Special Ambassador Paraxim. What have you been Hello. up to yourself? Uh, it's been a pretty busy week, actually, with the 
A lot of things going on. Uh, stuff with the event on the 29th, which we'll probably talk about a little bit later on. Um, a lot of family stuff outside a game. And, yeah, it's just it's been really busy for me. Yeah. Oh, well, that's, that's quite pleasant. Um, <laughs> uh, personally, um, it's been a case of helping out with the CG in the Empire down at Adona Mir. Um, also, um, it's been my son's 11th, uh, not 10th birthday. Um, it's, it's all merging together. I'm not quite sure. 11. 11. <laughs> See, that's a problem. <laughs> <laughs> If anybody wants to know what we're on about, just go look up Scottish Eleven, and you'll you'll know what we what we mean. Um, yeah, so basically, we've been doing a whole lot of uh, birthday stuff, and he's been getting a bike, and uh, I've been trying to get fit by doing a bit of bike riding myself to work and back. So, uh, if I do fall asleep halfway through this uh, this podcast, I do apologise. Um, uh, although I did have a one nice moment where. Um, Obviously, on his birthday, I asked him whether or not he wanted to play X-Wing, uh, the, the the tabletop game, and he went, oh, not really. I think I want to play the Elite Miniatures thing as well. So I thought, oh, this this, this boy has incredible taste. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll um, hopefully, um, I've I'm, I'm been doing some work on the, the new manual for that, so uh, hopefully I'll be passing that round to a select few for some feedback. Is he still so, beating you? Um, actually, no, it was a draw last time. Okay, cool. Well, uh, basically, I destroyed. No, yeah. <laughs> I destroyed both his ships, but then flew off the end of the map, which <laughs> is about the same thing. <laughs> Even I managed to avoid flying off the end of the map. Well, no, that's because, I, that's because I just let you, and I didn't want to embarrass Lave Radio in front of the <laughs> Pixel Bandits yeah. any more than you, you let us down, Ben. Uh. Dear, dear, you know, I'm trying my best here, Ben, and no. <laughs> so, oh, let's crack on, shall we? I mean, we've got a lot of development news today, um, or especially over the last week or so. So, first things up, has anybody bought the new Raider ship skins or the new Vac suits? Yes. No. <laughs> <laughs> I How want them. How, how come I'm not surprised, Grant? Well, actually, to be honest, I was I was trying to kit out my beluga this this evening for tonight, and and I sort of yes, I just no, I, and yeah, and, and they all fell into my cart, and and then then they were bought. Fell into your cart. That sounds like an excuse to me. Well, I don't, mm. I don't, I don't do the ship mods because um, I don't. You know, fly ships like that, and as much as I think the the Raider stuff is absolutely stunning, um, it really is. It's it's the <laughs> I've got crazy makeup on tonight, which kind of looks like I've had an argument with a mechanic. Um, <laughs> and the flight suits suits look amazing, and I was trying to find engine engine wash customizers, but they don't seem to be easily found in the shop. Although I'm looking in the wrong place, or they're not there. I'm not sure. I don't, think, I don't they're think they're there yet. No, they're, they're working on those. Yeah. So, Commander Praxum, were you thinking of buying them? I want them. I'm just kind of... I, I'm having to tell myself no. <laughs> it, mm, all the shiny things. More shiny, yeah. the better. So you're not wanting a, a spiky cobra then? 
A spiky cobra would be nice. I actually would like to put a raider kit or something like that on my FDL, actually. Yeah, that would be good for the FDL. Yeah. Oh, no, no, no. An FDL should be left alone with its sleek lines. Don't ruin no. it with it bits needs of spikes. dead pirate over it. It needs it spikes and dead pirate. That sounds perfect. Oh. <laughs> yeah, but, but, yeah, the, FD, the FDLs are probably one of the more common pirate ships. Yeah, so but it's, the, it seems only fair. No, no, yeah. an, an FDL needs to look pretty, not jaggy. It needs to look pretty so that when a trader is destroyed by a FDL, at least they die happy they've been destroyed <laughs> by something that beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, I'm just disappointed that they don't have skulls and things like that on top of the spikes. Especially if we could have... You know, oh, could you imagine that as a, as a spoiler? We've got a... You know, if they give us, say, a... Like, oh, a Thargoid skull on the on the spikes on the on the raider ships. No, I know exactly what you want. Ah, that would be so awesome. I know what exactly I what you want. You want a skeleton mm-hmm. attached to the front of the ship that will jangle <laughs> <laughs> as it flies. That's yeah, what you awesome all want, you sick puppies. <laughs> Sorry, I'm like, you know, like oh, Mad Max style, just tie a commander on the front of it. <sighs> Playing cool. a guitar. That's in one of the books, actually. Is I'm it? sure that's yeah. There's a uh, in Tales of the Frontier. There's one. There's a story where uh, I think one of the command uh, a commander is is basically um, pirated, and his body is put on the front of the pirate vessel. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah, I can't remember which yeah. one. If it's uh, one of the Tales of the Frontier authors, I do apologise. I have I have read the reread them all recently. Um, yeah. So, Mr. Jarvis, what did you think of them? <laughs> Uh, I know. I was gonna. I, I think it was Cat's Cradle that had the. Um, That's the one. Person tied to the front of the ship. That's the one, Cat's sure. Cradle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was good. I like that one. Um, it just uh, sounds delightfully morbid. <laughs> oh no, no, we get worse. Have we got? Have we got this far without mentioning Firefly yet? N- I, no. Well, we didn't. Uh, I did. I did have a timer running. <laughs> Because <laughs> I saw them and thought, too "Cool, soon. Firefly ships, too Firefly soon. ships." I know. I was I was outraging people with my uh, Firefly joke on Facebook. I'll repeat it here, just in case any listeners have never heard it. How do reavers clean their harpoons? They put them through the wash. <laughs> oh dear! Are we here all week? Try the veal. No. <laughs> all those spoilers. Sorry. Yeah, but it's, it's been it's been like ten years, I think. Uh, you know. Yeah, and I still haven't watched um, it. I don't know. But I really like them. I think, uh, yeah, I like the spiky ships. I, you know, I probably would have been really tempted to get them much more so than the uh, much more so than the ship kits. Um, but I think just because I kind of. Uh, tend to role play a little bit when I'm playing the game. None of my alter egos that I play as in my various ships would, um, would have spiky stuff. So, uh, yeah, it's just, it's, it's just kind of not something that I would do in the same way that I wouldn't get like, even though I quite like the pirate skins, I wouldn't get them because I don't pirate. So I don't see the point having a pirate skin, but I think, I think they're really nicely done. I think they're really good. Um, I didn't know. I didn't particularly notice the suits, as particular, but I haven't really looked at the ones that are all, were already there. Um, so, yeah, 
Yeah. So so basically, it's really thumbs up from everybody uh, about these these ones. A bit like the Tron skins last week. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's 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 a different kind of thumbs up because it's thumbs up, but I can't see me ever buying them, which is probably not the kind of thumbs up Frontier are necessarily looking for <laughs> with the ship add-ons. Um, but I think a lot of other people, you know, probably will be be wanting to buy them. So yeah, good work, Frontier. Thumbs up. So. Well, obviously, it's um, it's been a bit of a patch day today. Um, two point three has been out for what a week and a almost two weeks now, and um, it has needed um, certainly some bug fixes that are, that are quite urgent, really. Um, the first thing that we should talk about is that they've now rebalanced the multi-crew rewards, which I thought was um, well, it, it was interesting because I didn't realise. That the um, the multi crew bonus that you got was not only based on the rank of the gunner, but it's also re- uh, limited by the rank of the helmsman. Now, have you, has everybody seen the matrix that that goes with this, so you can work out what you get? I've seen it. I just don't yeah. remember all the exact numbers, but I've seen it. It actually looks a lot better than it did. Yeah. Well, basically. The rule of thumb is that if you have the same rank as the uh, the helmsman or less, you will always get an eighty percent bonus. So when you knock out a ship, um, the helmsman gets a hundred percent, you get eighty percent, and so does another crewman, dependent on whatever the rank is. If, however, you are higher ranked than the helmsman, then you get less of a bonus. Oh, hang on! No, I've got that wrong. It's the helmsman. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, if, it's if the the helmsman is higher ranked than you, then you get less of a bonus. The idea being is that you don't want a harmless gunner linking up with an elite pilot and the elite pilot taking them into really high, uh, high value, high res zones, so that basically they they just race through and uh, basically build up with no risk attached to it at all. I mean, I always said that the higher ranks needed a bit of a boost, so and it does seem to have, have worked out quite well that way. So, uh, what's anybody else seen about these? I think it makes sense, and it's about the same kind of figures that I was thinking it wants to go up to. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I agree you don't want it to be a one-to-one ratio because you're, you're the one who's risking your ship, Whereas, you know, if you were to jump into my ship or Grant's ship, then you're not really risking anything if anything happens and you're not having to pay for the rebuys and things like that. Mm. But at the same extent, I want multi-crew to succeed. I want people to fly it and play it and use it. So more pennies, I think, will improve that. Yeah. Um, So... uh, As I said prior to the update, though, I mean, it just needs... The thing that's always been needed since people were, were complaining about it is um, just a balancing of the numbers. Yes. Um, yep. And I think I don't even think this is the last pass of balancing we'll get on the multi-crew payouts. I, I wouldn't be surprised if there's another one in a few weeks as well. No. Um, because it just it just makes sense and they're going to continually tweak it until it kind of feels right. 
Um, and and to be honest, from my point of view, the numbers of this second pass are so different from the numbers on the first pass. <laughs> the chances of them now being exactly right, I'd have said slightly slim, but um, yeah, you know, it's uh, yeah. But I mean, you know, as I said the other week, it's a case of it's a case of whether or not you think splitting the bounties is is a bad idea in totality, or whether it's just a case of balancing the numbers. If it's balancing the numbers, you just have to keep playing it out and letting Frontier set what is a kind of appropriate level. Mm. Um, if you don't think the splitting is good, then then obviously this doesn't help. <laughs> well, it, it's not technically splitting of the bounty. It's, it's basically you get, the, the helmsman always gets 100% of the bounty, and the crew get the appropriate ratio. But the crew actually are not risking anything. But on the subject of which, if you do have a crew, and you're unfortunate enough to lose your ship, then it works out a lot cheaper with a rebuy with crew. Before it was 25% uh, per crewman, where you'd got a discount on the rebuy. Now it's 30%. So that means you you basically get uh, a rebuy of 40% what it should be. Uh, personally, I think that's a fantastic move, to be honest, because it's the poor commander that's, that's taken all the risk on this. Yeah, I, I, I'm just going back to. I tell you what I think about the the bounty share payout thing. I actually think that the way the game should work, in order to kind of accommodate this thing of people feeling like in multi crew you should get, you should do multi crew, you know, to make more money. Mm-hmm. If that's if that's your argument for doing for doing multi crew, um, rather than actually the game deciding what the the payout should be. What I think what would be really kind of within the spirit of elite is this idea that with multi-crew, you're hiring your crew. Mm-hmm. So I think when you are going into a multi-crew session, the the bounties get multiplied. So if yeah. you say you're going to have four people in your crew, the, the bounty that you would get is effectively four times the bounty on your target. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then as part of creating a multi-crew session you have to negotiate with the people joining your session what their share is going to be. I, I agree. I think that that, that is a, a fantastic idea. I mean, some of the time, uh, I mean, I'm looking at some of the multi-crew stuff. I mean, it's just focused on combat at the moment. So mm. basically, all you're, you're dealing with is really bounty payments. You don't really get anything else. Um, but I've got a sneaking suspicion that that was probably something they'd want to do in the first pass, but mm. obviously time constraints being what they have been, um, you know, they've come but up I, with this. You know, yeah, but I like, I like the idea that in a lot of kind of like seafaring fiction, or even if you look to sci-fi, something like Alien or Aliens, there's mm. this suggestion there that people are negotiating their involvement in certain tasks in order for increased shares on the trip. And I think that what would make it potentially a really interesting immersive kind of experience is to be able to say, well, I'm I'm recruiting you to my ship because I'm an elite pilot and my ship is awesome and you're only a harmless gunner. I'm only going to pay you five to 10 percent of the bounty. And then it's up to that person whether or not they want to join the crew on the basis of that pay. Whereas if someone's a pilot and they want to recruit like, you know, someone to be a someone to come on board and fly their fighter for them and you're like well i'm deadly so i'm worth however much you're actually negotiating what your share is with your crew and that means there's a bit of in-game opportunity to negotiate greater or lesser amounts and it's not down to frontier deciding 
Because then what becomes really interesting is that your reputation goes with you. Rather than it just being an in-game thing, someone comes on board. And if you've heard if you've heard someone's name, like if I'm looking for a crew and the great Phoenix to fire is offering <laughs> to come on board and be my gunner, I might think, wow, it's Phoenix to fire. I'm going to pay him like 50% kind of thing. Whereas if it's like, I don't know, Adler Weiss, I might think. <laughs> How could we felt the same thing? <laughs> <laughs> I might think he's going to cost me a lot of insurance, so you know I wouldn't <laughs> wouldn't pay him as much. But well, yeah, I mean, if you see my point, but I mean there is a there is a valid point in Twitch is that it's Enship saying it sounds like an idea that's good in theory and horrible in practice. Half an hour of negotiations before the fun bit isn't conducive to having fun. I don't know. Um, I the problem think, is, I mean, it's it, sorry. It, I was going to say is it's quite a big feature to just try and see if it works. That yeah. kind of prototyping is very easy to do in a simple indie game, very hard to do in something like Elite Dangerous. Um, yes. But I'd like to well, see it. Well, I think the main problem with that would be it would slow slow down the initial joining of the crew, which, I mean, it's nice for an immersive point of view, but I think the whole point of this particular, uh, this particular update, and I've noticed this happen quite a lot, is the socialisation has really begun to take off a bit. Yeah. And, and I think that's worked out quite well. I mean, has anybody else got anything to say about these multi-crew rewards and, and so on? Oh, I've got something to say about the socialization stuff, because you know, I was then. doing I was doing a wee spotty of um, oh bounty hunting near Sol over the weekend. Mm -hmm. And I just I just opened my ship up to two random folk. And they were they were nice people, so we we're just flying around shooting stuff, um, and we we're doing it for a good couple, good two or three hours or something like that. And then just like one of the guys was like, "Right, I gotta go and go for lunch," and that was like, "Okay, well, see you later." And I managed to get myself a bounty by shooting somebody a little bit too fast, so I had to jump off, um, jump off to another system, and then my crewman said, "Oh." is that Sol? And I was like, well, yes, it is. It's only a couple of light years from here. And they're like, I don't have the permit for there, so you know, can we go see it? So then instead of going off and doing bounty hunting for about an hour, we wound up going off and doing a tour of Sol for about an hour and a bit, just flying around and just you know, doing some, you know, welcome to, welcome to Sol. Yeah. But it, it was a nice social, <coughs> chitty chatty, met some new friends. And that was awesome. Yeah, I mean, one thing that I, I do wish that, well, they, they, they might update it at a future release is that if you are a crew member or a gunner, that if, you've, if you are exploring with somebody, then anything that you tag, say, such as, um, I don't know, tourist beacons or planets that haven't been uh, explored yet, if you manage to tag them, they go into your personal uh, bank, if you like, that you can cash in at a later point in stellar graphics but like I said I mean at the moment this is mostly focused on combat now there was one addition both of those two things that we've discussed they have been implemented service side so they should be live about now however there was one other modification that they, they are going to make to multi-crew that should be coming in patch 2.3.1 not the patch we're going to discuss in a second um, that is basically a free fire or lock command on the helmsman in order to reduce trolling. Has anybody been a victim of this kind of trolling? 
No. No. Nope. Of course, I, I don't I, really multi-crew, though, either, because I never have turrets <laughs> or fighters. <laughs> I was a little bit antsy when I had these two new guys who I'd never played with before in my ship for the first time. And I was definitely very twitchy, shall we say, as I was flying in towards Alanut, as I was flying in towards the station. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. But nothing happened and everything was good. And sorry, I just want to say, I'm flying off to LFT1. I, 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 I never knew there was an LFT1. Yeah, I've been there yeah. before. There's actually, there's a whole mess of them. It goes up to uh, like two or 3,000 something. Oh, I I, I, all the ones I've ever seen before have been like, crazy stupid numbers but you know we're actually going to lft1 now so wow <laughs> yes um <laughs> so yeah i mean the lock and for those of you who don't know there there was incidents during the beta and since where people would get into the uh into the gunnery station or the fighter chair launch and then attack the police or the station uh, and then the station would open fire on the ship, destroying the ship. And of course, the trawler, if you want to call him that, uh, would get away scot-free, and the poor commander would probably end up having to pay a massive rebuy. So, um, yes, Andrew. Yeah, I, did, has... I did that to Ben in Beta. It was really funny. <laughs> yeah, it, it's funny in Beta. <laughs> but what 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 happens in Beta stays in Beta. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, um, but when when you've got a sort of a uh, 400 credit um, anaconda and someone does that to you. I don't I don't think it's uh, Sandra said it wasn't in the spirit of the game which I, I tend to agree with but it is something that could happen and you have to be kind of aware of, aware of it but hopefully this um, weapons free and weapons lock command which uh, only the helmsman will have uh, access to will cut down in these these instances. I mean, I think hopefully. that's a good idea. Yeah, hopefully, ideally. I mean, I personally, I like the change because one of the things that does keep me from opening up you know, my bigger ships to multi-crew is the fact that they can just kind of do whatever they want and cause all kinds of chaos and mayhem that I just really don't want to put up with. So as far as a, a social aspect for Elite, I think that's a really good move. Yeah. Oh no, I, I I completely agree. Um, ben, uh, any thoughts? I think it makes sense. I mean, I I've not had it happen to me, but I again in beta, like Jarvis went off and actually um, no, you did me. it to someone live on live radio I, in I, the I beta. Did. I think you did, didn't I, you? I, that was getting revenge for though because they got me first. <laughs> so I think I did actually. I, I think you're right. I did get it live to them on Twitch, but it was revenge because they did me first. Not that, that not that that's any excuse. Obviously, sounds a perfect excuse. Yeah, <laughs> but there's a di- as Chris said though. There's also a difference between what happens in beta and things like that. Yeah. So um, moving on, um, as most of you are probably aware, patch two point three zero one went live tonight um now uh, there's quite a few uh, bug fixes in this which are very very important because the last two weeks i mean i personally didn't realize this but the galaxy map has not been working as it should uh, for people who don't use the standard resolution um so that one's been fixed the infinite pack hounds bug has been fixed and there's been an awful lot of stability uh 
and frame rate drop fixes being put in. Um, and also, uh, this should be of interest to you, Chris, is they've also um, made sure that follow-on missions or chained missions are going to become more prominent in the near Yay! future. Yay! I love yeah, yeah, because um, I must admit, I, I was there for the last two weeks looking for these missions because I've, I've been quite interested in seeing how the mission system is overhauled, and I quite enjoyed them in beta, but I couldn't find any for life or money. So hopefully we'll have these chained missions in, which are apparently different from wrinkled missions. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I'm hoping I'll, I'm hoping I'll see one at some point because I do love my missions. Yeah, yeah, I've been keeping my eye out for them too, and I haven't seen any of the chained missions. So hopefully, as you said, hopefully they'll actually start showing up. As I've been looking forward to running through some of these little uh, miniature story arcs, if you will. Yeah, well, it's I think it's a case of um, these story arcs or these these linked missions. I think it's up to you to kind of make the link. <laughs> yeah, from what I've seen, too, like if it's anything like what we saw in beta, that's definitely the case. But I mean, still, I mean, you you can use your imagination. There's plenty to plenty to keep you occupied. Yeah. So I mean, overall, um, unfortunately, the Xbox um, is suffering from a soft lock, a soft lock error which unfortunately means that the workaround for it is wiping the commando that's held, or wiping the data that's held locally on the Xbox and re-importing it again from, from, yeah, from Frontier. Now, the problem with that is um, when the commander does get soft-locked um, and you re-download him, then you've also got to set up all your key bindings and all that kind of stuff. So it is quite inconvenient. And uh, unfortunately... I mean, I'm not quite so sure if the Xbox patch is ready and it's been submitted to Microsoft and it's held up in the Microsoft queue or um, whether or not they haven't finished with it yet. So we'll, we'll have to wait and see. But unfortunately, I don't think it'll arrive in time for uh, this weekend, which um, we'll come on to in a minute. So uh, overall... Um, I mean, we've only had a few hour, um, a few hours to work with this patch. It does seem to have fixed a lot of um, the main issue, which was the galaxy map and the and the pack hounds. So, I mean, has anybody else got anything to say about these? Um, glad the infinite pack hound bug is gone. That was driving me bonkers, and I think that was killing everybody's frame rate. <laughs> yeah, if, you, if you've got hundreds and hundreds of Pac-Man missiles flying about, yeah, it does tend to. <laughs> it also makes your little sensor, um, your little sensor readout, absolutely useless. Yeah, it will do because you'd be just swamped with white missiles, wouldn't you? Yep. Uh, besides that, I don't know. I'm just glad that uh, some stability fixes have been put into it because. A lot of people were having issues. I, I personally didn't really have a lot of the problems that everyone else did, including the um, the off-center galaxy map. Like, I run in ultra-wide resolutions. I play in 2560 by 1080, mm -hmm. and I wasn't having the issue. So I don't know what was causing it, but I'm glad it's fixed because it was yeah. apparently driving everyone absolutely bonkers. 
Yes. Um, it, I mean, I didn't realise how bad that was until uh, a couple of people showed me on Twitch. They went, this is the, what the real problem is. And I went, and, and in order to fix it, yes, there was a workaround, but it was such a pain for some people that it, it wasn't worth doing. So I'm glad they've got that off the list. And orig- originally it was scheduled for the first week in May or early May, but they've gone and pulled their fingers out and got it out today, which I, I think... <laughs> Fair play to them. Yeah, I'm glad they did because um, that's going to make this weekend a heck of a lot easier. So, yeah, well, we'll move on to the in game events. Uh, now, there's been quite a few things highlighted. Now, obviously, um, we'll just quickly go over some of the other issues before hitting the 29th. Um, so, well, they're not even issues. So at the moment, there is a big Federation versus Empire Community goal down in Maya, which I've been taking part on. Um, I hate to say this to all you Fed lovers out there, but it does look like the Empire's winning. So if you want to try and G up your your, your Fed side of things, then um, I think you better start helping out. And also, in addition to this, in HR1185, 20 light years away from Maya, there is now a shipyard. So people can move their ships uh, closer into the Pleiades, which I've got a sneaking suspicion everybody will want to quite soon. (laughs) One word of warning, as I found out this afternoon, um, as I tried to land a T9 on this planetary base, it is a 4G world. <laughs> <laughs> it was a very expensive landing. That's all I'm going to say on the matter. <laughs> yeah, I, I know um, I know someone who lost his Corvette to that 4G planet. <laughs> well, well done. Yeah. Well Have they done. got many ships there, Colin, or is it just a couple of wee things? No, I've got the T9 there. <laughs> no, but for available for sale, I mean. Oh, for for sale? No, it's small ships only. You've got the um, I think the the Sidewinder, like you always have, the Hauler, Cobra Mark Three, Cobra Mark Four, and I also think uh, the Type Six. I see, so but of course you can pull anything you want up there yourself, obviously. Yes. Yes, because it does have large landing pads, as as I was very thankful to see as I plummeted like a brick towards the ground. <laughs> did you did you finish your trip in the sidewinder, or did you give up on it because it was just epically long? Oh no, I'm still doing it. Oh, okay. The last, the last thing that's I did on was, an alt account, is it? Yeah, that's a, that's on the Xbox account at the moment. Right. Um, I I got. Last time I did it was last Thursday, only to find that the Microsoft have now gone and removed the snap function from the Xbox. So you used to be able to have the the game playing in one window with a a sidebar where you could see all the the Twitch chat. And that seems to have gone. And, And that makes actually twitching from the Xbox a little bit more of a challenge. Because if someone is kind enough to actually talk to you, you don't know what they're saying. Yeah, frustrating. Yeah. So, obviously, um, two new mega ships have been spotted. We have a Belmarsh mega prison ship that's been found. Uh, it, apparently, it looks like an absolute 
massive brick. Uh, and also in the Heart and Soul Nebula, you will find a tourist megaship. So, um, yeah, so we've got links to the locations in the show notes so uh, people can find them if, if, if they want to go off on a trek. But, of course, the big find this, this week was the new generation ship. Now, who would like to talk about that? Because I do believe it was one of the Hutton truckers who found it. Well, that, that's not necessarily totally correct. Um, it was one of these <laughs> situations where, yes, a Hutton trucker stumbled across the signal and then being a very good Hutton trucker knew fine well they'd never figure, figure it out, so give it to people that could. <laughs> and that's you, the truck away. It is the, it is We've the, got people for that. Got, I know someone that will figure that one out. Uh, the message is an anomalous signal data that you can pick up from a... Oh, no, what was it? I was there earlier on today, a relay signal source um, in LHS something or other. And um, it basically says, transponder signal... Oh, let's do some effects. We'll do some effects. <clears throat> transponder signal LYC-182-8 detected. Matching signal detected. Alanis timestamp predates parameters. Alanis, we are lost. Two days ago, 10. Cure for ships, population 98%. Round the clock, space 22 towards Chori. Quickly die my job. For now. Signal lost. And your cabs, your cab is just around the corner. It'll be there in five minutes. Yes. Um, <laughs> and so, what you can clearly get from this message is the number ten, Alanis, ninety-eight percent, twenty-two, and hurry as words that are of some sort of debatable interest. Ninety-eight percent, nothing. I think that means that you will not find it ninety-eight percent of the time. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Judging by my attempts today, was going by anything. Uh, Alanis is the system you go to. Ten is the number of the planet. Alanis ten, you get there, and then you head out some multiple of twenty-two light years or light seconds towards Hooray, and then you will find your magical, mystical ship. Sometimes, um, it is tricky as hell. I found that it was, you know, hit and miss, very hit and miss for me finding it, but it is a beautiful ship, and there are data packets all over it. There are five to collect that tell a very interesting story of the fate of this generation ship, and now that I'm thinking about what it told me, I'm thinking possibly I'm a little bit too close. (laughs) (laughs) I, I hope you've got plenty of meds on you. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I mean, we could... We is could, it 22 light years or 22,000 light years? 22,000 light seconds. 22,000 light seconds. 22 light seconds is now, is it? Yeah, and as I say, it is a little bit tricky. It's not an exact science. It doesn't always... It's, it's basically roll the dice stuff, so you'll find yourself, you know, targeting the the system and flying out to 23,000 and then coming back into 22, and eventually it will pop up and it will tell you that it is the generation ship, um, and that will be you. You can then pick a site that as your location and drop out, and it will bring you right here, which is awesome. So... Oh, crack your own keyboard. I've got a little special keyboard <laughs> here that uh, allows me to jump between... 
um, control the Elite Dangerous game as well as uh, <laughs> all the controls for the live radio. So yeah, you'll find it. Oh, someone was here. Oh dear. That's always worrying when you don't notice another ship's been in because Harry Potter is on my friends list. Um, oh dear. <laughs> well, it lets you know where he you is. Want to hear. It lets you know where he is, so you can tell. Uh, yeah, someone's asking. Um, Starion's jumped into my co-pilot seat, and he's having a fly around in the uh, fighter, and he's saying that you know it reminds him of the film. Um, oh crikey, what did he just say? He just said it two seconds ago. Sunshine. Event Horizon. No. Oh, Sunshine. The, yeah. Right, and um, that was the the strange foiled sail ship, wasn't it? Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. I like that movie. Yeah, it was quite a good movie. Good. So uh, it is a very strange ship. It is all over the Twitch field. Multiple wing rings. It's dark, so it's quite a, a sort of low lighting little area as well. Once you get here, um, and as I say, there's a number of communications now. Should we play them, or should we play one of them? Uh- um, well, we could play all of them, but with a spoiler alert for all those who, who don't, who want to find this out for themselves. So I guess, spoiler alert, and come back in five minutes. Yes, we'll we'll, we'll give you a couple of seconds to to get yourselves. Oh, muted. The engine sounds from this big beast, as you can hear. Well, you guys can't, but you can now. Um, that's the kind of sounds that you get from here. So if I go into the uh, it's actually a bit more Event Horizon-ish, this. I will go in and I will mute the music uh, so that we can just hear the sounds from this horrendously uh, ancient ship. Apply. Back in. Let's go have a listen and see what it sounds like now. Listen to that metal straining. Isn't that stunning? I'm a bit close. So it has a yeah, number of wheels. It has a large dish at one end and uh, massive boosters at the other end. Oops, I'll, that, that bit should reattach. Uh, I'm, I'm sure they won't notice. What <laughs> is the, uh, the sort of law on salvaging and causing damage to a ship that's been abandoned? Ah, is there. Am I, am I likely to find myself at the wrong end of an insurance claim? Oh, shit. <laughs> Excuse my language. I've managed to get myself stuck in part. I think, of it. I think you'll be all right, Grant. You know, we'll just get Callum McGrath to see to you. Yeah. Right. Okay. Withdraw to a nice, safe distance. Let's try one of these messages. Uh, that's giving you plenty of time to mute your audio if you are not wanting to hear this. So this is the first. There are five messages covered by five data points that you have to scan. Decisions log two three seven nine forward slash two. Sorry, give me a second while I just turn off my shields. That's better. That way it won't disturb us with stupid noises. Let's try that one again. Decisions log 2379 forward slash 2. Nothing out of the ordinary to report. Minor injuries, aches and pains from the more vulnerable crew members and the usual bout of influenza you'd expect with so many people living in such close confines. It seems the current strain of influenza is becoming resistant to the vaccines we've developed on board. Only thing of note was a minor injury to one of the survey team. Godbleep sustained a minor laceration. He was taking a mineral sample on a nearby asteroid. 
Suit got brayed, but he managed to apply an emergency seal before anything serious happened. I only hope the sample he took was worth the scar it's gonna leave. Hmm. Isn't that the plot line from Alien? Anyway. <laughs> I was thinking it reminded me of, um, what's that, the Dead Space? If anyone's played that. I'm sure they're mining in. Oh, hello. Sorry, it's unlit. I just nearly flew into it. I'm sure they're mining <laughs> some sort of rock, and they, because they, they're breaking open the rock, they discover madness or evil or something under the ground. Yeah, it's out of Event Horizons. In fact, it's out of every science fiction horror movie ever. <laughs> Possibly. I know Mike Brooks is a fan of his sci fi and horror, so uh, there's bound to be, there's yeah. definitely bound to be influences in his subconscious there. There's some. There's definitely some interesting sort of um, acting in this one as well. So we'll, we'll carry on to clip number two. Decisions log two three eight seven slash eight. We have an emergency. The strain of influenza infecting the ship has become completely resistant to any vaccines or treatment we can find. Thirteen percent of the ship's population has now succumbed to the infection, and so far eight have died. I've initiated emergency measures on quarantining the infected. The epidemiologist, Dr. Monroe, is working around the clock to find a solution. I'm sure she'll come up with a cure before long. These are really good. Yeah, you have to get pretty close to them to scan them as well, don't you? You get within 200, yeah. uh, 200 um, whatever the MMs are. Ooh, I've got a new crew remember? Actually, Ashton's just come and joined the crew. Right, uh, let's go for clip number three. Physicians log 2463-5. Dr. Monroe made a discovery that has filled me with dread. This contagion doesn't derive from the influenza epidemic. It's altogether more alien than that. The contaminant has no human origin. It comes from Gottlieb, the scientist who was injured a few days ago. Whatever mineral he was taking a sample of must have got into his blood. It's mutated into some kind of virulent pathogen. Monroe is unable to isolate the microorganism that's causing it. It spreads fast. Quarantine hasn't worked and people are starting to panic. We're doing our best to come up with a counteragent, but I'm not sure we have the resources. Ooh. Clip number four, here we go. And then the final clip. Physicians log 2501 slash 7. 
I knew I wasn't going to avoid contracting this thing forever. <laughs> I'm one of... one of the last. This place is so quiet now. Used to teem with life, and now... Now there's just silence along the empty corridors. I should probably go for one last walk. While I still can. The last known signal from this massive, gigantic generation ship before it went silent for the last time. Quite tragic, that, isn't it? Uh, I was thinking it's just somewhere along the lines of... Ah, uh, I'm trying to record a message for the future for prosperity, you buggers. Keep it down in the background. <laughs> Die quietly. There was a few of them making some interesting <laughs> noises in the background, which is just amazing, but... It is. Uh, I'm just wondering if it would be made even better uh, if they could do. Oh, so I'll just get these sounds back off again. There. Um, if they could, you know, had the likes of the signals being encoded and you having to to do some encoding, uh, and then the, the message that would then sort of break up at that point and you would get the sort of decoded that could be quite an interesting sort of technique for future messages like this where you actually have to go and you know go to a specialist somewhere as a chain mission and then they'll actually decode them for you if you think would be interesting I'm just looking at the size of these uh, engine bells on the back side of this thing and they are huge well, I'm just I'm lined up at the front end, and Commander Starion is at the other, and it is four point three kilometers long. Yeah, we got one guy in a python who's literally just stuck his entire ship inside the engine bell. <laughs> <laughs> I'm struggling no. to find more than the same two logs. Now there's three, two at one end, and there's three at the other end. Um, so yeah. you might need to sort of go along and and have a a sort of check into there uh, at the, at the yep. rings I've got one, three and four at the moment but I'm looking for two and five. Oh, they're on the other end and that's where I've just come from <laughs> well I'm approximately five jumps away from you so awesome I'm this isn't making a very good podcast so apologies <laughs> well yeah, it's one of, the, one of those I think that audio did yeah, made. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyone's wondering why I'm struggling? It's the LDSS Navarus. Um, if anyone's wondering why my typing is so bad, as I say, I'm using a partial keyboard, an X7 G100, which allows me to do minimal stuff, but doesn't really allow me to have a conversation using it. Um, <laughs> it doesn't have an I button, and it doesn't have. I can't remember what the other one is that you're always needing. Uh, and it's not quite a QWERTY layout either <laughs> so it's a complete nightmare <laughs> but it helps me allow to sort of play the game on the second machine which allows them to take the load off this machine making a beautiful broadcast that we all love yay <laughs> hang on but so, it is um, but yeah. it is I mean you know, same as we said last week really. it's excellent to see this kind of quality of voice acting and this kind of immersive stuff uh, <laughs> in the game and <laughs> 
I don't know what uh, Parox is laughing at, but I've just parked my con- my cutter in the engine of this thing. That's and... exactly what I'm laughing at. Right. Yeah. I just all I want to say is just a tip. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's brilliant to see, you know, sound of this quality in the game, more immersion, more story. And I know we're kind of saying that uh, you know, it'd be nice if maybe more more mission and gameplay stuff was tied in with it, but I think this is the second time in as many weeks that we've had really cool kind of audio voice logs appearing in the game and the 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 twitter accounts of the two well one of the two actors that was involved in the recordings from from last week they were recorded all the way back sort of earlier in the year so i wonder how many more there are kind of out there and how many more we're going to be finding um you know in in the game as we uncover new things because I think Frontier have been working really hard to just kind of throw loads of content into the game. What with the new points of interest and stuff like that. Yeah. I mean, I must admit the, um, I think, I mean, a lot of work has gone in uh, to 2.3 that uh, it has been in behind the scenes. I mean, the big headline features has always obviously been the new camera suite, Hollow Me and Multicrew. But, I, I think they've they've been quite sneaky by putting this extra stuff in, uh, and you know it can it can only lead to good things, especially when you saw what the data link scanner that it's all of a sudden everybody got the data link scanner, and all of a sudden we've now got stuff we can extra stuff we can interact with, and that's always a good sign. Yeah, totally. So I mean, is everyone quite impressed with the generation ship? Then I've yet to see it. I'm what we need, what we need, is enough ships to light up the whole length, because it's really hard to see all of it at once. Yeah, we it is very dark. Of people here with with high beams and just light the thing up and get a good look at it. <laughs> is that some, something from your dogging experience? Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've said it, we need we need everyone to line up their cars and just all put the headlights on at once, and then we can all enjoy it. <laughs> oh god where do we go from here I mean you can take the commanders out of dockers but you can't take the dockers out of the commanders can you it is a, it's a beautiful ship I, mean, ah, I, I just think you know the sound the soundscape is gorgeous it's, it's the first one I've bothered my backside to go and have a look at not because it was nearby but because you know that I'd heard some of the logs I've seen Obsidian Ant's video and I thought let's go and have a look at it and get a sense of scale um, I think it's the the sound does add to something, you know. It does add that sort of sense of uh, of sinisterness to it. But it is just a location. It is just somewhere to go and look. It doesn't seem to have, unless this virus is going to play a part in the near future or something along the lines. It doesn't make for any more interesting uh, a universe or gameplay. As I say, it might well, be interesting if you found decoded messages and then, and then from taking them to places to try and get them decoded, you spread the disease. That could be quite fun. Oh, good. Well, you're all infected. Should I actually join you? <laughs> yeah, come on. <laughs> yeah, sure. Come on. <laughs> well, uh, I mean, I think it was, was it Steve Kirby who, who was mentioning about this kind of stuff is that most of these big mega ships that have, have have suddenly appeared. They're all placeholders, as they always as they always are with Frontier, that will be built on in forthcoming releases. And I think we're just seeing, as Ben would say, the tip of the iceberg um, for, for future um, storyline and and uh, more puzzles. I think. 
I'm not quite so sure what they could do. Barracuda's disagreeing with us there. He thinks it's a heck of a lot of fun just flying around this thing in the dark and trying not to crash into everyone. Well, yeah, in the and the f- ship. <laughs> well, there's a new there's a new challenge for you. A new uh, Buckyball challenge. You got to run around not, there without not the Buckyball. The oh, the Elite Racers. Yeah, the Elite Racers. That's the ones. I keep on getting Ooh, them mixed we have up. Another I do commander. apologize. Another commander has just arrived, and let's just hope it's not. Oh, he's in the big. It's Commander Morveal. Welcome, Commander Morveal. Um, to this instance, and, and yeah, we've, we've got two. We just need another couple of fifty or so ships, and uh, we can get this thing lit up. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it is. I mean, what, what I mean by that is, it's good fun hunting it down. It's frustrating trying to get you know find it on your target reticle so you can drop out at it. But once you get here, you feel like you've found something. The sounds make it feel really spooky, and because the chances are you'll be here on your own. Um, you'll find it kind of in that sort of lone um, alien isolation feel of everything's there just for you to experience. So it's definitely an experience, but then it's not. Then it's done, and it's just a ticked box. You know, that's that's where the sort of um, it's beautiful. It's awesome to have this kind of stuff. It gives you wonderful sort of stories to to write for your own commander, which is great. Um, and for all of those players that have been hunting for generation ships since the original elite, it's just you know this is their you know realization of uh, what they've been looking for, and that's cool. And it's yeah. yeah, people have only been searching thirty years through three games where they do not exist. Yes. <laughs> it's very. I mean, it is this very event horizon. This particular story, and okay, it maybe sparks on. Maybe we could have got a clue from this one that might spark the start of the hunt for some of the other ones, and then you've kind of got gameplay being generated by it. But knowing the speed at which people break these damn things apart, um, it's probably worthwhile holding it back and releasing it elsewhere. Fair enough. So going back to interaction with this thing for just a moment, I th- I think a lot of the lack of interaction that people are perceiving with some with some of this stuff is because we don't have space legs yet. I mean, let's face it: when you're in your ship and you can't physically be on something like this thing, there's really only so much that you can do to begin with. So I think when they actually get around to adding that into the game. It's going to unlock a level of interaction that we've not, ju- we've just plain not been able to do before. Mm. Well, the, um, I think that the problem that I've got with the space legs thing is that I don't think we'll be seeing that in season three or whatever comes next after season two ends. I, um, I don't. From, yeah, I, 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 I got I don't, the impression it was a lot further away. Well, I don't think it's just about that. I mean, following on there from what uh, Proxim was saying about. You know, it's hard to interact with it because at the moment we're only sitting in our ships. I saw a really good talk by, oh my goodness, uh, one of the people who worked on Journey. Oh yeah. And this was a, this was a game city. This was the year Journey came out, and she was talking about how when you have people in a game or when you have players together in a game, they will interact using the levers 
that you give them. So it's like the old, it's like the old axiom about, you know, when the only tool you've got is a hammer, every problem looks like a nail. And that's why I'm not very quick to like, when we had things like the barnacles, I'm not very quick to judge players who went in and just started shooting at the barnacles. Because to be honest, even if you're not a nutcase, even if you want to go and explore these things, the only thing the game really gives you to interact with the environment around you is the gun. I mean, that's it. You've got the gun, you've got the data scanner on the SRV and you've got the the cargo scoop. Now they've added the data scanner to the ship. So you've now got effectively, arguably twice as many, well, including the cargo scoop, so it's not quite twice. But what my point is, you've now got more levers with which you can interact with the world. And I don't think it's necessarily about having space legs and being able to leave your ship in order to interact with these stuff. But I do think that we need more meaningful ways of interacting with the world outside of the ship, other than shooting at it or picking it up in the cargo scoop. And I think the data link scanner is a a big step towards that. Um, I'm really hoping there's going to be more. Uh, yeah, I, wouldn't I, it be great? Wouldn't it be great if this ship had like a um, an interface like the station computers that we could somehow log into? If you found the right antenna, instead of just scanning it, you could actually hack in and see yeah. what was on board the ship's computer, and then you could explore the. You could see like security cameras of rooms. You could see written logs. You could look through crew manifests, which would only have to be the same sort of code as looking at um, pilots, NPC pilots. Yeah. And there's, there's, you know, there's so much you could do with it, but the the players just need more in-game levers. And it's great that they're doing all this meta stuff with, you know, with people decoding stuff, which requires outside of the game type knowledge. Um, But I just think, yeah, it, it just needs more, more ways that you can interact with the world other than just opening up the guns or the cargo scoop. Yeah, I mean that's one thing that I, um, I think I put that f- that kind of thing forward to Sandra in one of the, the sessions for two point two, where you know the little outposts that all we do is read them, and go around. Yeah. Them. Well, what yeah. I was thinking, the suggestion was that why can't we just talk to them and see if they, we can run missions from there, or or some kind of other interaction? And he seemed to take that on on board. Said it was an idea that they'll be looking at, which, you know, the usual. No promises, no guarantees, that kind of thing. But, yeah, I mean, I, I see where... I think this is one of the things that really is needed to add that... to, to counter that always constant complaint of it's it's just an inch deep. <laughs> I, 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 don't, I obviously don't hear that complaint as often as you, Colin, but uh, no, I'm joking. Oh... <laughs> Oh, Mr. Jarvis, if I could put a bounty out on Commander Thane right now. <laughs> but the I'm, 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 I'm sure we can do that, Colin, if you want to. You know, there's a few <laughs> commanders here and Commander Thane is around. It's, it's, it only takes a moment to drop into solo. Um, <laughs> the, uh, yeah, the... Um, I mean, there is kind of a view, isn't there, that in a game like this where you've got NPCs, theoretically, every NPC could be a source of a mission. It's like that old jokey meme about how there's a cat sitting in like a spotlight and the person says, if I know anything about games, it's that that cat has a side quest for me. But it should be like that. I mean, imagine how great it would be if you got interdicted by a pirate and it opened up, you know, because we don't really, even though we've got this dialogue window, we don't really communicate with the pirates. Now, wouldn't it be amazing if the pirate said, 
I'll make you a deal. I'll let you go, but you've got to bring me back 10 bars of gold. And if I don't see, if I don't hear from you within 24 hours, I'm coming after you. That's then a mission that you've picked up from a pirate. You can either go and find the gold and then rendezvous with the guy and give it back and give the gold to him. And then that mission's complete. Or there's a pirate out there who is actively trying to find you and interdict you. And that's the kind of, you know, those are the kind of missions that you could just pick up from any random NPC. It's like you say, exactly what you're saying. You go up to one of those bases, maybe the base says, oh, hey, we're looking for a pilot. We could do with someone to deliver this package for us, or we need someone to go and scan this other base and bring back to us what you found there. And it's not different to the missions that the game is already offering, because the game already offers, I think, quite an interesting range of missions. It's just about an interesting dynamic way for those missions to be generated and put into your lap rather than having to just kind of go and tick them off a bulletin board. Um, but I will say, just cause I'm looking at it right now, one of the criticisms of the ship, the mega ship that was found last week with the other logs was people saying, Oh, this ship was meant to be damaged, but it looks in perfect condition to me. I'm looking at the dish on the front of this generation ship and it is covered in pock marks from micrometeorite strikes. Yeah, um, but yeah, that was a different thing, though. That that was um, Drew explaining why the the mega ship in the in the for oh, for my neck <laughs> for Medine Rift was still yeah. was still running, um, but this one does look like a derelict. Yeah, I'm just I'm just saying that people were saying, oh, the other ship wasn't a derelict because it looked undamaged. The fact, that, the fact that there is damage on this one means that if the other one was undamaged, then that was deliberate. It was intentional that the thing didn't have any damage on it. Mm. People were kind of levelling a lot of criticism at Frontier and saying, oh, they didn't even put in the effort to make the ship look damaged. Presumably, if this one looks a bit damaged and the other one didn't, that was a deliberate choice. That's all I'm saying, really. Yeah. I, mean, I wouldn't think so. Mm. so Steve uh, says, it's not a dish, it's a shield. It is there to protect the ship from micrometeoroid strikes. So, yeah, very valid point. It is like sunshine. Well, you know, we talked about the fact, you know, more ship interactions would be awesome. Um, But can you imagine the docking with one of these things or or having some way of cutting into the hatch and then going into it on foot with your torches to find out that there's an infestation of creatures on it? I mean, we're, we're looking... Uh, potentially what uh, an update that brings an entirely new game what you mean like space hulk or it would be really interesting to have that kind of interaction with these wrecks um even if you could get your fighter inside yeah and fly around it like descent looking i was just thinking descent there <laughs> that'd be amazing Mm. Uh, well, on the subject of more interaction, we have coming up on the 29th, the big one. Um, we've got uh, the the f- uh, the finale to Drew Wagar's uh, premonition story, and it's an in-game event on the 29th of April, uh, where I do believe that Commander Simone see if anybody else can actually pronounce the, the, the name right. Yeah, like, so, <laughs> Salome. Salome. There we go. Salome. <laughs> Is making a run somewhere starting at a particular system which people have decoded. So, 
Commander Paractum, would you like to take us through how we got here and what we hope to achieve and will everybody survive? Well, that last one, will everyone survive? Well, that is kind of up to the players at this point. Um, as for how we got here, well, the children of Raxla essentially are kind of her little group. Um, with all of this going on, they kind of put out the call for help and a whole mess of us are trying to put together a defense. It's really about that simple. Um, there are four of us admirals that are coordinating and so far we have some uh, upwards of about 1,200 people who have volunteered so far to work with us and try and get her and her friends all the way from I think it's 46 Eridani which is common knowledge at this point all the way to the bubble and yeah it's, it's an interesting. This is going to be fun. Yeah, it's, it's an interesting story. I mean, um, having had a, a look at it all, starting with meta engines and development of new tech, and then what looks to be a lot of political toing and froing for these two characters that are joining her, the link with uh, Salome is is very unexplored as far as I can see. The information is just kind of like she's hooked onto this as a. Uh, a strange from being on the run to then hooking herself into the front of this little I mean do you know the kind of reasons why she's involved with the, the meta alloys and the the these two escapees so to speak um, I don't personally know what the connection is between all of them all I know for sure is that these are the persons of interest and these four people are the ones that have information that is supposedly vital. Now, with me personally, I don't like to take sides between the Empire and Federation most of the time. I just don't see the point in a lot of the bickering. So, if she has information that is going to, shall I say, actually show who's in the right and wrong, I want to see it. So I'm going to try my best to make sure that uh, they have the opportunity to make that information known. That is that is my ultimate objective, and I'm sure a lot of the other people that are trying to defend her feel the same way. Well, it is, it's kind of like the two big uh, factions, and, and the, certainly the, the Imperials are being uh, extremely aggressive with Salome, although she seems to play right into their hands every opportunity, creating friction and uh, undermining them every opportunity that she gets. And having already been sentenced to life imprisonment and then escaping and becoming one of the sort of hottest people in the, the universe at the moment to being hunted down, it's really interesting to see how she ties in to this meta-alloy scandal uh, and, you know, with usurps of the company directors and uh, who dies, um, you know, suddenly, apparently due to the stress of his business running into the mud and uh, suddenly, you know, his vice president, his colleague is buggered off with his ship and there's information missing during the audit and now they want to get this information back and Salome stuck ahead above the parapet and now they're all kind of facing certain death 
if the Imperials <laughs> get to them to silence them from leaking whatever this information is, whether this is information or whether it's um, you know potentially evening the playing field with the likes of these new meta drives. So it's all very interesting. Or is it less tech orientated and more alien orientated? Is this the truth about who's working? with the aliens and what the recent interactions are about. It is a huge who knows, and I can understand why so many people are wanting to make sure that uh, Salome's story gets out and that she does survive. And, you know, good luck to it, because it only takes one Harry Potter, if you know what I mean. Um, so how That's all I wanted to ask if that was Harry in today's Potter? patch. I think today's patch includes a thing that says if your name is Harry Potter or if you're a member of SDC, you just don't get instance with Salome. I think that's what's in two <laughs> points. Just a play of being serious. Actually, speaking about Harry Potter, I was hearing today that he's actually volunteered to sign up and help defend Salome. That's actually true. Um, we actually have several of the members of SDC that have volunteered to help and defend Salome instead of actually try and kill her. Mm. Or the other VIPs, for that instance. I mean, I, I have to admit, when they first showed up and volunteered, we were not the most receptive. We actually <laughs> we had to have a pretty long conversation with them that spanned a few days before we actually let them in. So. Yes, their reputation does come before them, do they? Yeah, a little bit. I, I'm I'm not gonna lie. Like even me, I was like. Mm, I believe in, you know, benefit of the doubt, but with you guys, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but it is a fascinating story. And then, of course, um, it's going to be basically created into a, an amazing interactive novel. Well, it's not. It's interactive at the point that you kind of interacted with it up until now. But once it's written, you can't really change the story. But it's really, really quite interesting Um a way of using the game to create fiction and also to allow people to play their part and you know um, I'll be keeping a, a keen eye I think the DJ Truthsayer is planning some kind of mass streaming from this event as well so we will need to... Uh, yeah he and a couple others um, I think there's four of them I think if I'm remembering correctly from the Sovereignty that are all going to be live streaming during the event so that's going to be a good way, actually, to um, kind of keep tabs on everything and see how it's all going. If you can't be in there yourself, yeah. Now, um, right, so we're talking about people who are willing to protect her, which is fine. <laughs> that's one side of the coin. Who has come out openly in the with the intent to to really cause some mayhem and take her out? Um, mostly individual commanders, from what I can tell. A lot of the groups that have declared support for one side or the other have been declaring support to defend more than attack. So there, there is that. I think the bare share of people that want to kill Salome and her friends are ones that are acting more on their own than they are anything else. At least that's what it looks like. Now, who knows? There may be a couple of turnabouts, you know, like, Oh yeah, we we we've said all along that we're going to defend her, but now that she's actually in our instance, guess what? Ha 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 ha! I fooled you all. You're mm. talking about the SDC volunteers again. Well, you <laughs> never know. Thoroughly, 
Not necessarily. Well, like to it, be it, honest, it didn't even. You know, it may not be them. Let, you know, we, it could let, be anyone. Let's put it this way: we had uh, a wonderful racing event, and we had uh, across a planet, a planet uh, five kilometer was it five hundred kilometer massive uh, base to base run on a planet surface in SRVs, and we had some SDC members there too, who after about. 45 minutes, got bored, jumped in their ships and decided to take out all the assist ships. So, they are, I reckon they're keen on it, but when, when they get a bit tired or a bit bored of it, then um, they can turn, but this sounds like the kind of thing that they would love to be part of from the right side for a change, so I really do hope that they get involved and enjoy it, and um, otherwise, because that's the thing though, when it is going to be part of a book, there must be a huge temptation. I mean, I could see me being involved, going in to pick her up from the cargo pods, whatever, try and scoop her up and keep her safe and knock her into the nearest star. Not on purpose, just because, well, I'm already at 11% hull and I've not done anything apart from ram this bloody big ship and, and with my shields off because I turned them off so they wouldn't make that noise. I didn't want to ram the bloody thing. So my incompetent pilot skills would lead to a comic ending in a story that wouldn't work. So, it'd be interesting to see how much artistic license Drew Wager can use in the face of something happening in-game. I've kind of been wondering the same thing. He also did make a statement that um, there is something of a contingency plan should all four VIPs die. He has not specified by any means what that actually is, and I don't think he wants to, but... Mm, it's there. Isn't so it? they all wake know. up in a shower a couple of days later, and it was a dream. Who knows? <laughs> I hollow me to the rest. That would be an interesting end to the whole thing. <laughs> it's tried and tested. Yeah, hollow hollow me to the rescue. Me thinks. <laughs> <laughs> but um, it's either way this goes, win or lose. I, it's going to be one heck of an event, and definitely something that goes down in the history books for this game. Definitely. But yeah, I mean, so long as Rise yeah. to Power has been, from Elite Reclamation, really genuinely interesting uh, story, tragic as well from the beginning, constantly at the wrong end of the pointy stick with the Empire, and here we go, you know, they, they want her dead, and these poor sods might think that having a political figure is a, a, a sort of almost safeguard to themselves, and uh, no, they've just tied themselves into an imperial network of murder, so... <laughs> I can't wait to see what happens. Isn't this whole thing? Isn't this whole thing technically spoilers for the book, though? I mean, because there's presumably been lots of other activity throughout the year that's also fed into Drew's book, and I've not really been aware of like every single part of it. So there's lots of bits of the book I have missed, but I am surely, essentially, now about to find out how it ends. Yes and no is yeah. the answer to that one. I, th I think the phrase here is that. Um, we don't know what she's carrying. We just know that it's important. And we'll find out what she's been carrying in the book. <laughs> yeah. I don't, I, I don't think... I, I've got a sneaking suspicion that the big reveal won't happen. Well, it, it probably will happen in-game, but it'll happen that close to the release of the book that it won't matter. Ooh. But I suppose it's like, I mean, I've always been a big fan of Columbo, and Columbo, you know who did it from the beginning right, of the episode. from the, the episode, beginning, so yes. It's not really an issue, but um, yeah, I just think, I'd, yeah, I just think it'll be a shame to kind of know 
But I well, suppose that's not that's not necessarily the ending. The the ending is it? No, I mean not necess- no. not necessarily because when Babylon Five, we knew what the ending was going to be. It was just nice to f- you just didn't know how they were going to get there, and no, it was more. I don't know. I thought that was that was a, a, a neat trick. It seemed to work very well, and. Yeah, I thought somewhat. we didn't know how Babylon 5 was going to end because they kept uh, putting glimpses into the future that were really kind of <laughs> inaccurate or kind of misleading. Like all the stuff to do with... Uh, oh, well, okay, I won't get to Babylon 5, but anyway. <laughs> there were lots of things that were visions of the future that gave you an indication of what... You know, like like right in the episode one of... I can't if it's episode one or the pilot, there's a vision of Babylon 5 blowing up. And then it turns out that even though that was a vision of the future, it wasn't as as much a vision of the near future as maybe people thought it was. It was no. like, you know, 20, 30 years in the future when the place was being demolished anyway, because anyway. it was end of life. I yeah. thought that was so a vision mean, of a possible future. Yeah, yeah I think they the future no, 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 where you, Sheridan you, didn't go and do his thing. They can no, change no. it. Um, we can do, we just we can discuss the yes. Babylon Five thing yeah. another time because <laughs> then otherwise we'll end up we'll we'll end up with a, a whole yeah. thing of with the firefly being pulled in as well. So That's I think we'll, <laughs> that there is another podcast we could we could do sort of story influence sci-fi story influences till the to- the the cows come home. Oh, he is anyway. Because <laughs> someone so can someone do me a favour before we go off air. So I've I've parked up my ass, but I am looking at a blinking light on the side of this ship. Um, it's not Morse code, is it? I can't decide if it's just random flickering or if it's um, actually a message. Where are you at? So if yeah. someone comes and finds me, I'm in an asp, Commander Thane. Come and find me and have a look at the thing I'm, I'm looking. I'm here at. and I'm looking. I guess you want Kai to have a look at it. Uh, I just want to see, see, see. Yeah. There's a lot of sparking cargo canisters. You know at the cargo canister end, are you? No, it's a blue light on the frame. I'm going to back off a little bit just so that people can get closer. But I'm pointing my torch at it, so... On one of the rings? On one of these struts supporting what looks like a fuel tank. Yeah, that's <laughs> you've got the same problem with your asp as me, Peroxim. So it, doesn't, yeah. it doesn't break, does it? You keep thinking it's going to stop, sh- it doesn't. Yeah, it slides a little too much. Hang on, Ophelia, so I'm going to jump into my ship again and stop it from shooting you. They don't look... Well, it looks quite random because there's lights at all the tanks. And they're yeah, all... just a lot of the others. I'm, try, I'm trying to find everybody here. Whoa. Uh, I just bumped into the tanks. <laughs> so, I don't know. It's just yeah. It's just it was the only light that I could really see that was lit up, and it seemed to be flickering. But I I don't know enough to know if that's random flickering or whether that's. Oh no! I, I I know what you you. Oh. I've got I've got right to where those cargo canisters are, and I can see where the flicker. I think it's just random flickering. It probably is just random flickering. <laughs> More it vainly. probably is. I'm recording it now so I can look at it later and actually you know, see if there's any pattern to it. Commander Morvale says uh, that there is a knocking if you get in close to it. So let's go and investigate this. A knocking. Let me out. Let me out. Let's go in, <laughs> let's go in nice and close. There's kind of me- definite metallic crunks and creaks, but let's go and have a look and see what's going on. I shouldn't be doing this with 11% hull. <laughs> well, I can hardly hear it. 
It's more a kind of pulsing metal sound. Like an, an engine kind of um, clunking, more than a kind of uh, knocking. Let's go up the end because I could hear it really up at the shield end, it's quite loud. Oh, shizen, heizen, 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 stop! Listen to that. I'm listening. Yeah, it sounds like. Is it IMU five seven one destroy me? <laughs> <laughs> you hope. <laughs> but I mean, that's just that's, I mean, that's the amount of detail that goes into this ship by frontier. At one end, you've got this gigantic shield uh, protecting it, and it's making an absolute racket, like some kind of. Uh, person doing horrible things to a whale um, with a garage door. <laughs> Space whales confirmed. <laughs> they're being transported. That's what you know. That's what they were looking for in Star, um, Star Trek. This is the front end. So we can hear here, we've got transmission sounds. Sounds like an imperial signal. <laughs> it does indeed. <laughs> <laughs> they so, could be anything, sir. They could be smugglers. They could be just. I mean, there's some interesting damage. The rebels are there. Yeah, <laughs> damage to the uh, the front shield that have made some interesting shapes, um, like spiders and, and a big circular crash here. So I mean, there's there's a, there's a so much detail put into this that it really isn't fair to be all negative nanny on them because uh, it is spectacular amount of work awesome. on this thing in its, it's own awesome. right. It is amazing, but yeah, we just want we just want to get into this world and live it. To be fair, so someone in someone in uh, Twitch is saying there, there's clearly plenty of power. Basically, essentially, what they're saying is there's clearly plenty of power left in the ship. I think frying bullet. What, the, what these logs? I don't know if you were here for the recordings of the logs earlier. But essentially, the logs suggest that the crew all died because of a space plague, not because their ship died. And the, so, theoretically, life support inside is still entirely functional. Uh, it's just everybody died from bugs, and not like bug hunt bugs, but just bugs. Well, yeah, an mm. alien mineral uh, infection to someone's blood that spread like a flu throughout the crew and wiped them out. Yeah, so. That, I mean, just imagine you can get out your ship, go on board and go, oh, look, there's a crater of rocks here. I'll go and see what they're worth at a station. Go back to your, your favourite <laughs> oh, background dear, that, sim station, drop them scary, off. scary, wouldn't it? Sell them, and then the next time you go back to Hutton mm. Orbital, it's not there. Or it is, but there's no one answering. It's a bit more reassuring, oh, though, that, that Johnson brought back a red rock from the planet. Now the crew are all eating each other. <laughs> what, <laughs> what was that episode of Red Wolf where Lister's walking through the the ship just tasting all this white dust or something like that that's on the oh, on the, the first, that is was that the 31st first one? one first episode yeah, yeah he's eating the fruit <laughs> yeah. yeah 
Yeah, he's basically um. <laughs> he's asking, "Oh, what's all this white stuff?" Oh, that was second mate Peterson or something yeah. like that. <laughs> <laughs> you, although you mentioned those kind of, you know, the, the, these kind of shocks, I think something that would have been really nice touch is if there was a little hole in the side of the ship, and when you got close to it, like a kind of skeleton in a spacesuit, kind of their face drops into the hole, like Jaws two. That'd be great. <laughs> Um, yeah. I was more jump. thinking, you know, seeing some kind of a, some kind of mineral growth coming out of one something. Yeah. <laughs> or, or Blake Seven, Blake Seven, uh, ke- mm. tomato ketchup and uh, mushy peas oozing out of every uh, bucket. <laughs> oh no! Don't do, don't do that. You'll get all the people who like cheesy peas, sort of Jeez. salivating. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Um, we're getting we're getting a request in Twitch to play the logs again. I think if you want to hear the logs, on, I think the best thing to do is just grab the podcast when it goes out. I don't think there's much mileage in um, playing them all. They're also they're also available to listen on YouTube and various other places. If you can't wait like an hour or two till we get the podcast out, Grant. <laughs> hey, I, I had it really quickly last week. I no just, pressure, mate. I just didn't do the episode <laughs> side of things on the, the whole website. That was my mistake. Uh, you know, so a quick key recap for the, for the logs. Oh, um, yeah, wow, those are interesting rocks you've got there. Oh, you've got a hole in your suit. Well, you don't look very well. Are you feeling okay? <coughs> that should cover That's basically it. <laughs> this is so why they don't have me doing games. Wash things. your hands. Remember, hygiene is important. <laughs> After handling your rocks, always check your suit and wash your hands. <laughs> Oh, so um, I mean, with all the um, the excitement that's been going on with this, I mean, the devs keep on saying that they're so excited about things that are coming. Is I take it we think there's going to be more than just this? Oh yes, by far. There's well, we saw that we saw that tease in the trailer, didn't we? Though of that interesting looking structure that looked like it was a cave system. Yeah. I mean, yeah. And thankfully, no one's reverse engineered the trailer yet, have they? <laughs> and and the conspicuous <laughs> lack of um, distress signal USSs in Maya also compared to the beta. So I think there's quite a bit that we haven't seen yet in the live servers that um, they're waiting for the right moment to. to oh, just, yeah. Mm. I. You you can see it when they talk about it too that they they want to say more but they'll get fired if they say anything else. <laughs> no, I, I think Ed and and Zach, especially when we were at Elite Meet, they were they were walking, well. I know Zach was about because Ed was looking a little bit knackered, but they were they were looking about the had the look of them thinking I know something you don't. <laughs> well, they always they were, they were yeah, but uh, yeah. Well, I must admit, I I was taken aback by the voice acting. I had no idea that that was in there, and the more that I see of this, the the better it will be. <laughs> it's true. Yeah. So, I mean, do we have any um, any questions coming coming in apart from please play the logs again? Uh, Commander Wotherspoon says uh, we know where it is. I presume he's talking about the caves. Mm-hmm. Um, the the system's permit locked. Oh right, okay. Apparently. I see. Yeah, that's uh, HIP twenty twenty two four sixty. I think it is, if I remember right. 
Oh my goodness! Um, so, so basically, they've worked out where this place is, but Frontier learned from the last time that <laughs> to permit lock the system. Yeah, I think what happened was is everyone figured out where the system was, and instead of letting us get there before they were ready, they just permit locked it. <laughs> <laughs> so actually, it's kind of funny because uh, people, including myself, were trying to figure out how to get that permit. Because if it's a permit that you can't get, quote unquote, it usually will say you know, unknown permit. This yeah. one doesn't. Oh. Um, but the only the only minor faction that has a presence there is uh, Pleiades Resource Enterprise, and it's a mega ship that's in that system. So some of us were trying to get allied with them to get um, to try and get that permit, and it's not working. No one's getting the permit. Someone actually submitted that as a bug report, and I don't think Frontier ever responded. <laughs> they probably rep- they responded with spoilers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, the, the, I mean, I am hoping that there will be some uh, missions and some things that come in which really make full use of the of the multi-crew functionality that that we're going to have. I mean, that that would be nice to tie it all together. So, for instance, you can only survive. A certain uh, mission or, or things like that, which may be connected to this, where you need multi-crew. I can't see Frontier doing that for the plethora of solo players. Mm-hmm. Oh right, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I I don't mind that idea personally, but I can't see Frontier going down that line because too many people will be like. Yeah, they'll be they'll be mining salt again. <laughs> oh, oh yes, <laughs> you, yeah, you guys a... did see that line in the patch notes, right? I yeah. love yeah. that line in the patch notes. <laughs> yes, mining salt. Um, it was in the. <laughs> Brett did explain later on. It was it was supposed to be a coded message that yes, we've we've listened through all the salt and we're trying to take on board what you're saying. <laughs> However, there was an awful lot of people who took that as just an insult and it all kicked off again i just took it as hilarious as heck that's what i thought too yeah i I actually i I must admit it missed missed me out i mean i was there thinking well yeah maybe they're all going for they need the salt for the fish and chips for the engineers (laughs) i think it's it's one of of those things where you know it was it it, to me it just said well you know that they've listened to the 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 forums that's genuinely what I thought. I also think it's quite genius when the devs decide to troll people. Um, someone was just <laughs> asking um, that how to get the logs to play. If you go and find at either end of the ship the little white squares, scan those uh, by basically selecting them and then fire off your data scanner, you will then get a little number appear up in your little... I don't know, message log on the, in the message windows. Um, it's the sort of three straight lines. And in there you'll see the contagion report and it'll either be one of five or something of five. Click on that and it will start playing automatically. So it is simple. Yeah, in, your, in your ship contacts, they're called ship log uplinks. Um, oh. But at one end of the ship, you can only see, you're only in range to see two of them on your scanner. And at the other end of the ship, you'll get the other three. So don't don't expect to be able to just navigate between them using contacts on your scanner because you'll do what I did and keep flying back between the same two. <laughs> but if you fly from one end of the ship to the other, there's a cluster of three at one end and a cluster of two at the other. Oh, right, because I've only found three. 
I'm, I'm missing yeah. two from somewhere, so I guess yeah. they're all down by the engines then. They are. Awesome. Mm. Right. Well, um, we'll just give um, us some uh, shouts outs uh, to a few people before wrapping up tonight, unless uh, anybody else wants to to chat about other things. Mm-hmm. No, I got a shout out. But Not that I can think nope. of now. Okay, then we'll 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 wrap up for tonight. I think after this, so uh, well, we've got a shout out to Ruins Technology. Now, this is a tool for recording the Guardian Rules Ruins site. Um, have you anybody used this yet? Or I had a flick through it. I haven't tried to put it into action. Um, but uh, I think you, you sort of have to know what you're looking for. <laughs> or, but although there is a filter, um, but yeah, I mean, it's quite, it's quite cool. If you just, I mean, I just clicked on one randomly and it gives you a map of the ruins as a kind of vector drawing and you can zoom in and out of it and kind of scroll around and, and study it. And, uh, it's really interesting. So yeah, mm. definitely do go and take a look. Okay. Um, now, Canon news teams will be on site during the event on the 29th in designated ships that are non-combat and want press status. Um, what's this one about? I must have, I haven't heard who's, about this one. Who, who's going to enforce that? They're basically saying that, that, that there are players who want to be there in order to just kind of report on what's going on as press. And in the same way as like in the international community, you're not supposed to fire on journalists. They're saying, don't fire on us, we're journalists. Um, which I think in in an open multiplayer game, you might as well be pissing in the wind. But good luck. Please don't please don't fire on the Canon news team, news teams. Yeah. So basically, what they're after are blue ship skins with press written all over them, uh, and extra thick armour. <laughs> so I need, with, I need to not get started because we'll get letters. No, no, we'll leave it, Chris. Chris. Take, stand back from the firework, take a deep yeah. breath. <laughs> <laughs> well, finally, um, of course, we're going to give our shout out to Lavecom 2017, which is sponsored by the EDRPG, which have, has had an update uh, on Kickstarter in the last couple of days. So, if, if you are still, if you are following EDRPG, you should have. Uh, John has posted an update to the whereabouts they are, and of course, with the excellent ED tracker. Um, both of which are sponsors of Lavecom this year. Um, what tickets? What tickets do we have left? Is it just camping? They've opened up camping. I mean, obviously, there's. I mean, there's tickets to come to the convention in the day. The issue is obviously hotel rooms sold out very quickly. But I think there are still camping options, and I think there are alternate hotel arrangements. Uh, and if there's enough people, obviously, staying in another hotel, then it's very easy to organise um, taxis for groups of people and that sort of thing. So. Worth having a look. Yes. So hopefully uh, things are, are coming at pace with that. So we'll probably be able to bring you up to date with a, uh, maybe an itinerary sooner than later. So yeah. I, I also got, if you go to, uh, for, for people's interest, the, the I want to say Kickstarter because that's become the kind of vernacular word for these things. It's mm. not a Kickstarter. <laughs> the crowdfund for Julian Gollop's new game uh, has gone live on Fig. Uh, so for those of you who don't know, Julian Gollop is a British game designer who wrote the original UFO or XCOM Enemy Unknown. 
Uh, he's responsible for Chaos Reborn. He was responsible for Chaos for Laser Squad. Uh, he has a new game that Snapshot Games are working on called Phoenix Point, which is an very much going back to his sort of XCOM Laser Squad roots with a turn-based tactical shooter with a world geoscape with units that change over time with a research tree and all those things that we loved from the original ufo um, so if you want to get in on the phoenix point crowdfund it is at fig.co so it's fig.co uh, and it, it's it's on the front page as an active campaign um, it went live today it actually um was open to backers of Chaos Reborn. They got an advanced look at the, the, the crowdfund. And um, basically before the before the crowdfund even went live, it already had like 1,500 backers. So it started wow. with 1,500 backers and about $150,000 before it even went live today. It's now on 220, which is coming up to halfway uh, for its total. But it looks, you know, the, the pre-release art looks really good. Uh, so yeah, do get on board and back that campaign. Uh, the only thing I want to shout out is I'll be doing a game stream again tomorrow night, uh, twitch.tv forward slash hold my kidney. Uh, I haven't yet decided again whether it's going to be Warlock Fight Up Mountain continued because I do like reading that out in my special narrator voice, uh, or whether it's going to be Holy Potatoes We're in Space. Uh, <laughs> I might let people vote. What I don't know. the heck is Holy Potatoes We're in Space? So Holy Potatoes, we're in space. You is had to space, ask, didn't you? Yeah, it's a Starship <laughs> simulator. It's a Starship simulator in the style of something like FTL with ship-to-ship combat, uh, but featuring a cast of cartoon potatoes. Uh, I have not yet played it, so if I do Grant that, I'll be, streaming, yeah, I'll be streaming a first look. If that's what I if that's what I choose to do tomorrow night. But message me. I know people have been enjoying me reading the Warlock of Fighter Mountain and doing that, so I'm I'm kind of pretty easy. I'm, you know, I just like hanging out with people and gaming and talking about games. You know me. Yeah. Well, um, I'll be trying to restart my uh, trip to Colonia on a Thursday night and uh, Sunday night at 11 p.m. So if you want to join in on a Top Shift Live, I should be broadcasting there as well. So I guess that's right. it. Oh, go on. We've got one more thing. You didn't say when you were going to do that. Uh, any Thursday or Sunday, <laughs> starting this one. Awesome. Mm. Right, well, that's it for another episode of Lave Radio. If you'd like to get in touch with the show, you can email info at Lave Radio, Facebook, Lave Radio, or at Lave Radio on Twitter. You can join the Discord chat channel by going to HTTP Tiny URL dot com slash live chat or join our TeamSpeak server where commanders hang out and chat and complain at teamspeak.laveradio.com. Lave Radio is recorded or live on a Tuesday at half eight approximately and streamed out at laveradio.com.live and on Twitch. So thanks to Chris, uh, thanks to Grant, uh, thanks to Ben and thanks to Special Ambassador Baroxum for joining us tonight and until next time. If you can't fly safe, fly dangerous. Is your life like this? Sounds like something having an orange inserted in it. Need a safe word.
Galnet News Digest, 25th of April, 3303. We read the news so you don't have to. In this week's news. Contagion fear at Alonus 10. Go for it decision from Commander Salome. Alliance expands in Pumpkinland. Contagion fear at Alonus 10. Following discovery of the first generation ship in modern times, there are fears that a deadly contagion may be lurking inside the derelict hull. Like more than a thousand other such vessels, the generation ship Lycaon left the Earth more than a thousand years ago, carrying an ecosystem, terraforming equipment and enough colonists to establish a new outpost of our civilization. Overtaken by the discovery of faster-than-light travel, they've continued on their pre-programmed trajectories. There are a few accurate records that might indicate where the generation ships might be, and none has been discovered until now. A transmission from the Lycaon picked up by a listening post and relayed to the next ship to visit indicated the approximate position off the ship, approximately 22,000 light seconds from Alonus 10 in the direction of the system Hore. Commander Lexic Meiser was first on the scene. He found that the entire crew and population had been wiped out by an infection, believed to have been picked up from contact with an asteroid. What is clear is that the infection was virulent and deadly, spreading through the crew in a matter of days, despite attempts to quarantine infected individuals. Should this infection be released from the sarcophagus of the generation ship, there are fears that the infection could spread rapidly, carried by interconnecting trade routes. It's vitally important that this ship be left untouched and there are already calls for a guard to be established to prevent souvenir hunters. Commanders are reminded that there's a directive in place against any interference with generation ships. This applies whether the occupants are alive or dead. Go for it decision from Commander Salome. After some consideration about whether to postpone her dash to tell all, Commander Salome has confirmed that she plans to bring her news about the galactic conspiracy back to the bubble 
starting in the 46 Eridani system at 6pm galactic time on the 29th of April. Together with her three companions, she will face the combined might of several shadowy organisations that want to suppress the information she has discovered. She may not survive, but if she or just one of her companions makes it back to the bubble, we should at last find out the secret of the Formidine Rift, of who's behind the secret terraforming dynasty project, what Recon Construction has been up to in the Call 70 sector, and what involvement Metadrive and the Sirius Corporation have in this story. Many commanders have pledged to attempt to protect her, but the interests she stands against are wide-ranging and powerful. The future of the galaxy may well hang in the balance. The galaxy waits. Alliance expands in Pumpkinland. The Alliance has announced plans to expand into the pumpkin-rich California sector. The new base will be in California sector JHVC212, supplementing the base established last year in the BAA E6 system. While some believe the Alliance is primarily interested in the mind-altering properties of the space pumpkins to be found there, a more pragmatic reason for the expansion seems to be the most likely explanation. The California Nebula is rich in barnacles and a rich source of meta-alloys. While the Empire and Federation are slugging it out over the rights to extract meta-alloys from the Pleiades, the Alliance has the California Nebula all to itself and it has the space pumpkins to smoke. And that's this week's Galnet News. Galnet News, we read the news so you don't have to. <laughs>